0: So today we're in the book of 1 Peter, written, of course, by Peter, who was Jesus' closest friend and most trusted disciple. Uh, Impetuous, rash, blustering Peter, the man who was all heart and passion. Uh, He was originally called Simon, uh, but Jesus later renamed him Peter. You, You may remember that Simon, or Peter, was the first to openly declare that Jesus is the Messiah, And Jesus responded by saying, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The name Peter literally means rock. And 1 Peter is effectively a circular letter that went around the churches of Asia Minor, which is uh, modern-day Turkey. And it was written to encourage the churches in the face of heavy persecution. So that's what uh, 1 Peter is. It's a letter of encouragement. And today we're looking at one particular part of this letter, and there are two important things that we can take away from these verses. Uh, the first thing is that we get a better understanding of what the church is. And secondly, we learn how to, to grow and mature as Christians. So, firstly, what is the church? Well, Peter talks about obeying the truth, which is his way of saying turning to Christ. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So to obey the truth is to obey Jesus. Obedience to the truth is rejecting self-centeredness in favor of Christ-centeredness. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we commit to following him, we are born again. The first time we were born was a physical birth resulting from what Peter calls perishable seed, our natural ancestry, and it's perishable because our bodies will eventually decay and die. But our new birth is a spiritual birth made possible by Jesus. It is of imperishable seed. When we're born again, we inherit eternal life. In in Christ, we are moved from darkness to light, from death to life, from perishable to imperishable. And I think a lot of people struggle not necessarily with the idea of being born again, but with the words, with the, uh, the phrase born again. I once uh, checked into a hostel in Mongolia, and I had a very brief conversation with uh, the young lady behind the counter, but she felt the need to tell me that the owners of this hostel were born-again Christians. She gave me the biggest roll of her eyes. And I think a lot of people think that there are two kinds of Christian. There's regular Christians who are fairly normal and reasonable. And then there's these born-again Christians, these fanatics. You know, They may, may even want to pray with you or something really wacky like that. But all Christians are born again. If we're not born again, we're not Christians. Jesus said that. You remember when he was talking with Nicodemus, he said, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And when a child is born in the physical sense, they are born into a family. Uh, Some families are loving and caring. Other families are dysfunctional. But we're all born into a family. And it's the same with our spiritual birth. We're born into a family, God's family. Here in the West, uh, I think we often see being born again as a very private thing. As if it's just between the individual and God. And that's probably why a lot of churches don't function as much like families as they should do. So we've been born into a family. But what kind of a family is it? Well, Peter helps us here. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, uh, uh, turning to Christ, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. This is a family that is or ought to be characterized by love. Turning to Christ enables us to have sincere love for each other. Becoming a Christian changes our relationships with everyone, but particularly those who are now our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this gives us the opportunity to stand out from the world in the most striking way. Because increasingly, we live in a society of virtual relationships. Our relationships are becoming distant and detached. To be friends no longer means that you actually spend time with someone and try to cultivate a relationship. It just means clicking a button and adding someone to a long list of people, most of whom we never see or even talk to. To like someone no longer means that we have positive feelings towards that person, towards the person they really are. It just means giving nonchalant approval to something that they posted online. To follow someone no longer means that we want to emulate that person, we want to be like them. It just means that we see their impersonal posts on a feed along with hundreds of other people's posts. And it's pretty obvious that this way of interacting does not allow love to flourish. Uh, If there's no meaningful contact, no investment, no time spent together, no knowledge of the other person, how can we possibly cultivate love? Consequently, we live in a loved, starved society. There's a lot of people feeling very lonely and various studies have shown that actually the group who feel most lonely and isolated are those under the age of 25. Sorry, under the age of 35. A heart symbol cannot replace a hug. Uh, An online conversation can't replace meeting up uh, with someone face-to-face over a coffee. Seeing photos of someone's holiday or what they're eating for dinner tells us nothing about what's really going on in their lives, and it all leaves us feeling rather empty and lonely. So our culture is moving away from solid, loving relationships, and that is exactly what we're called to. Peter says, you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. In other words, you have been born into this loving family. Now work at that love. Love deeply. Love fervently. Love as God loves. And in so doing, not only will we remind the world what genuine, loving relationships actually look like, Uh, but we'll also reveal the source of all love, who is our Father in heaven. So the first section shows us what the church is. It is all those who have been reborn into an eternal family that is characterized by love. The church is all of those who have been reborn into an eternal family that is characterized by love. Now for the second thing, which is how do we grow within this community to be more mature Christians? Uh, In chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Peter tells us that to grow in Christian maturity, we've got to get rid of something and we've got to feed on something. And this immediately made me think of my lawn. Uh, I've got to admit that I'm not much of a horticulturalist. Uh, the number of weeds in our garden is steadily increasing. I think that's because I pay too much attention to the weeds and not enough attention to the grass. Uh, I've tried pulling the weeds up, but they just grow back. I tried uh, uh, using weed killer, but I overdid it and ended up with bare patches of earth. So I'll just give up. I just mow the lot, and it looks nice and green and flat, and I can pretend that I haven't got any weeds for a couple of days, and then they all shoot up again. And the truth is, I know what I need to do. I need to get myself to Bunnings and buy some of that weed and feed. I need to deal with the weeds, but I also need to feed the grass. And that's essentially what Peter is saying. He's saying, if you want to mature in the Christian faith, you've got to get rid of something, but you've also got to feed on something. So what have we got to get rid of? And what have we got to to feed on? Uh, So Firstly, what have we got to get rid of? Verse 1 says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Those are the weeds, and it's worth noting that those are the very sins that will prevent us from being a genuinely loving community. Obviously, Peter's list isn't complete. Any sin will have a corrosive effect on our community. Uh, Murder or sexual sin would have a devastating effect. But Peter is addressing the sins that are most likely to be prevalent in these Christian communities of Asia Minor as an aside, the Apostle Paul does address the, uh, the issue of sexual sin in his first letter to the Corinthians, because that was a particular problem within that church. So these New Testament letters are often speaking into quite specific situations. Uh, but certainly the list that Peter gives us, these are all things that could creep into any of our lives, aren't they? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And as Christians, we often we often recognize where we're going wrong. We can see the sin in our lives. We, we want to change, but it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than done. For example, hypocrisy. We might think, well, why am I one person at church and another person at work or at home? Why can't I be consistent? Or envy. We might think, well, why do I want what that other person has? Why can't I be happy for them? Why is this even occupying any of my thought life? And so on and so on. Whatever sin or sins are prevalent in your life, and only you know uh, what they are, let's bring them to mind. Let's think for a moment of those things in our lives that we know are wrong, and we're trying to do something about them, we're struggling with them, but we don't seem to be getting anywhere. And I hope that everyone has something in mind right now, because... All of us have got stuff that we need to deal with, haven't we? All of us. If there is some persistent sin in your life that you can't seem to get rid of, it may be that you're making the same mistake that I made in the garden. You're trying to do the weeding without doing the feeding. In verse 2, Peter writes, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So what is it that we must feed on? Well, the meat milk that Peter is referring to is the word of God. And that follows on from what he's just been saying. Chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. Uh, Verses 24 to 25. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Remember that Peter is preaching to the persecuted church. So they may well have felt like withered grass and fallen flowers. But actually, that's a more apt description for their persecutors. It is their persecutors who will come to nothing. But they... Belong to God's family. They are the imperishable seed. They will endure forever because God's promises, God's word, endures forever. And God's word is the pure spiritual milk that enables us to grow as Christians. Peter tells us that we're to be like newborn babies craving pure spiritual milk. milk. And it ties in with what he's already said about being born again, doesn't it? When a baby is born in the physical sense, it craves its mother's milk. Uh, Likewise, when a person is reborn in the spiritual sense, they crave pure spiritual milk, the word of God. So where are we on the hunger scale? Where are we on the hunger scale? How hungry are we? Have we already filled up a McDonald's? Are we so full of junk food that we don't have room for pure spiritual milk? Have we filled up on TV, Netflix, YouTube, news, social media, video games, and all the rest of it to the point where we don't want anything else, we haven't got time for anything else, we haven't got the capacity for anything else? Or maybe we're somewhat hungry. Every now and again we feel a bit peckish and we dip into the Word of God. We can't really say that we're feeding on it, but we snack on it from time to time. Or are we hungry? Are we hungry? I don't mean peckish. I mean newborn baby hungry. You've all seen what a baby does when it's hungry. It uh, gets agitated, it cries, and it screams. It won't stop screaming until it's fed some milk. We're to crave the word of God like newborn babies crave their mother's milk. How long could you go without hearing God's word? And it not be a problem for you? How long could you go without hearing God's word and it not be a problem for you? A day? A week? A month? A year? If it's any more than a day, we're probably not hungry enough. You might be able to maintain your level of Christian maturity, you might be able to avoid backsliding, might, but you're probably not gonna grow. We're to crave the word of God. And it's not just sitting down to read the Bible, although of course we should do that. We can receive God's word in all kinds of ways. We can receive it through music, through sermons, through daily devotionals. You've probably seen, um, you know, every day with Jesus, my daily bread, those sort of things. Through memory verses, maybe the verses that we've remembered that we can recall through the, the course of the day. I used to have a little calendar and every time I flicked over a new day, there'd be a, a new Bible verse there. There are lots of ways to receive God's word. The important thing is that we're hungry for it, that we're craving it. And if you're not craving God's word, if you're not spiritual hungry, spiritually hungry, then ask God to give you that hunger. Ask God to give you that hunger and then start reading your Bible. Uh, To use a negative example, no one ever got hooked on heroin by not using heroin. If you want to get hooked on God's word, you've got to read it. You've got to expose yourself to it. If you avoid it, if you never open the Bible, well, of course you're not going to crave it. In verse 3, Peter says, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, taste the word of God. Fill yourself with it and see the difference it makes. That's not just sitting down as a one-off closing the bible and thinking well that didn't make any difference not talking about weeks or maybe even months i'm talking about the long haul see the difference the word of god makes over months and years in our lives if we want to be mature uh, as individuals and as a church we need to get rid of something and we need to feed on something we need to get rid of sin and we need to feed on god's word and actually, my gardening analogy would have worked much better if the product was called weed and, sorry, feed and weed. If it's called feed and weed, because we're not going to have much success with the weeding until we've done the feeding. So from this short passage, we have a definition of the church. It's not a complete definition. There's so many ways that we could describe the church, but it's helpful. The church is made up of all those who have been reborn into an eternal family that is characterized by love. And we also understand that to mature as Christians, or as Peter puts it, to grow up in our salvation, we need to feed on God's word, and we need to root out the sin from our lives. It's not one or the other. We need to do both together. So how can we gauge our level of maturity as Uh, individuals and as a church well for that we go back to what the church is a community characterized by love love for jesus love for one another love for the lost so the best way for us to gauge our level of spiritual maturity is love to what extent do we demonstrate the love of christ in our lives so let's finish with that question Uh, and pray. Heavenly Father, as Christians, we are acutely aware that there's stuff in our lives that is wrong, stuff that needs to be dealt with, whether it's pride or gossiping or anger or lust or whatever it is, there's stuff that we have to deal with. And so often we we can feel like we're fighting a losing battle. But we recognize from these words of Peter that we can't just try and stop the sin. We need to also feed ourselves with your word and strengthen ourselves as Christians so that we can grow in spiritual maturity. And we pray that you'll give us now uh, a real hunger and thirst for your word and for you in a way that we've never experienced it before so that we seek you every day in one way or another. So we want to be in your presence. We want to spend time uh, getting to know you better. Father, bring change and transformation to each one of us and to us as a church community. We, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.